Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Back in 2014, the United Nations called Detroit's really awful water shutoff policy contrary to human rights. Now, six years later, Mayor Mike Duggan says he wants to end the practice of shutting off water to low-income Detroiters once and for all. The city has put a moratorium on the policy because of the coronavirus pandemic, and it announced yesterday that it plans to extend that moratorium through 2022 and is looking for ways to make it permanent. It's a huge change in direction for the city, which has resisted calls to end the policy for a really long time. And it comes after years of really hard-fought efforts by water activists and residents to call attention to the public health crisis they said the policy represented. Here to talk about the announcement are two of those activists. Monica Lewis-Patrick is president and CEO of We the People of Detroit, an advocacy group that focuses on issues of poverty, including access to clean and affordable water. Monica, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and D'Amico Williams is chief director of Hydrate Detroit, a nonprofit water rights organization that helps people with emergency water, consultation, advocacy, and restoration of water services. Miko, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, So I I just want to start with the reaction that the two of you have to this announcement. This has been a long fight, as I said in in the open. Uh, Were you surprised when uh, Mayor Duggan said what he said yesterday? Monica, I'll start with you. Uh, We were not surprised that the mayor was going to make some announcement regarding uh, his position around water affordability. But we also are very cautious uh, because we've seen the mayor do these kinds of big announcements uh, that seem to be more of a political ploy or media ploy uh, and doesn't really lead to something substantive for the neighborhood. So we're cautiously optimistic, but we are waiting uh, to see the proof in the pudding. Mm. Uh, Miko, what was your reaction? I wasn't shocked at all. Or this, this is not really an announcement. This is more of political posturing for his reelection campaign. You should have did this in 2014 when we first came to you. You should have did this. Uh, he, had, he had all this time. And for whatever silver lining that he had to make this announcement without including myself or Monica Lewis-Patrick, too, we've been on this since the first day since water shut off. And he didn't call none of us, at least Monica, and she's been on policy and uh, and on the business since. So I, I was not surprised, but I was just disgusted that you would use politics in a pandemic when people are dying in our city. So, so disrespectful. So, yeah. Uh, so, so do I hear both of you right to say that you're not certain that this moratorium is real, that, that he won't extend it? Through 2022? Uh, or are you just worried that there's a political dimension to what he's saying, Monica? It, it definitely feels like uh, a political polloi, because even what we heard in the announcement, uh, one of the things that was stated is they didn't know how many people didn't have water. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Brown actually told you that 8% of the population struggled and that that equates to about 18,000 households. And then we know that there's an estimate of about three persons per household. So they've known for quite a while that this issue is there. What we find even more problematic is that many of the architects 
that actually authored the water affordability policy that Philadelphia and Baltimore are leaning in on actually was birthed here in the city of Detroit. So for the mayor not to understand that he doesn't have to wait two years. We have people like the Honorable Councilwoman Joanne Watson, who was part of that legislative championship for water affordability that now the nation is looking to, that was authored in, what, 2005 Mm -hmm. with Michigan Welfare Rights and People's Water Board. So it feels a little disingenuous on the mayor's part to act as though he's got to travel around the world to get a water affordability policy when you have those authors and champions right here in his own backyard. Yeah, Uh, and what you're referring to there is... His statement that he's looking for a way to make these uh, moratoriums uh, permanent, in in other words, not just uh, extended through 2022, but change the policy overall so that uh, so that shutoffs are not part of the way uh, that the water department uh, operates. Uh, Miko, I want to have you talk just a little about what the last eight or nine months have been like uh, for you and your work in the city. Uh, I, I know from the neighborhoods uh, that, that that I'm involved in what water uh, yes. water uh, shortages and water shutoffs have looked like uh, over time, and I know that they've been much worse because of of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I want to give you a yes. chance to talk to our listeners about what you see on a daily basis. Terrible conditions, Steve. You got people that were already struggling before COVID nineteen. The city didn't give no care as to water affordability to these customers that were um, suffering from uh, uh, poverty, that couldn't afford their water bill, from job loss, from uh, death in the family, medical situations. Um, Before, there was no response uh, whatsoever, and we had to fight in order to have access to the water department in order to pay the bill. When we paid on some of these bills, and we got uh, residence payment plans that were not affordable. See, when the payment plans are very faulty, Steve. Mm-hmm. If you miss one payment, you are instantly at risk of shutoff. Mm-hmm. And some people that have paid their bills over and over and over again and got on these payment plans and gotten assistance still ended up in trouble. The policies were not correct. So what I've done for the past eight, nine months even before COVID, was reach out to residents and say, hey, listen, we can try to help you the best we know how. But we were going around in circles. I'm going to water board commissioner meetings, bringing people to the, um, to the meetings to get help with their water. And all I got was disrespect. Uh, I, I got disrespected. I got a PPO, a personal protection order put on me, and also harassment of my um, clients from the water board director. It has been, even after the pandemic, um, Gretchen Whitmer and Mike Duggan didn't even acknowledge that public, that water shutoffs were a public health hazard. They denied it. That's on record. That's a fact. And then once it happened, they say, oh, well, we're going to put this coronavirus restart program. But people couldn't apply for it because they didn't qualify for the criteria. So myself, Monica Lewis-Patrick, and other water warriors had to come up with money, had to come up with uh, ways in order to get people still connected to water. And the water board director goes and says, oh, well, there's not no high uh, water. There's not no high number of people with their water shut off. You all are lying, blah, blah, blah. And we've been bringing them to to them for over um, uh, the past couple of years. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. They know about that. I, I want to respond to this part. Mayor Duggan knew all along how many people was being shut off. He just didn't care because it wasn't his concern. He passed off the hot potato to Gary Brown, and Gary Brown made all sorts of excuses to myself and others as to why people can't stay with their water on and blah, blah, blah. And he uh, uh, animated uh, my clients, and I refused to put my clients through that type of trauma. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Monica, you, you were talking earlier about other cities. Uh, every city, of course, has a water department. Every city has people in that city who may not necessarily be able to afford the water bill uh, every month. Detroit is somewhat unique, though, in the sense that uh, we, we shut people off when they can't pay. Other cities have found ways to do that differently. Can you talk a little about uh, cities like Baltimore or Philadelphia where they don't shut people's water off uh, for non-payment? Yeah, well, what we saw in places like Baltimore and Philadelphia is that they took a template that uh, Councilmember Joanne Watson and the late great Honorable uh, Marianne Mahaffey had constructed along with community activists, uh, along with uh, Roger Colton, to be able to create a tiered-based, income-based water uh, affordability plan. And so the very model that was uh, authored here in Detroit in the early 2000s, when we were seeing uh, majority low-income, low-wealth families basically cut off from water and evicted from housing, and it was Michigan Welfare Rights that was sort of sounding the alarm. And what we noted is that the late, great Congressman Conyers sent Councilmember Watson at the time was not a city council member, but he sent her to those meetings with Marianne Mahaffey to raise the concern that we could not have these massive numbers of water shut off. Mm -hmm. It wasn't again until 2013-14 when we were facing the bankruptcy that the shutting off of water was used to send a message to Wall Street that we were going to get tough on these black Detroiters that weren't mm -hmm. paying their fair share. And the truth was we had corporate actors that had not paid their fair share in terms of water debt. We found that there were bills owed by the Ford family on the Ford Arena. Mm -hmm. We found that the Illies had outstanding debt. We found that they owed $80,000 in unpaid water debt just on Joe Louis Arena. But many of those folks were allowed to have their these millionaires and billionaires had their debt forgiven, but they used the massive uh, shutting off of low-income and elderly folks in Detroit as a way to signal to Wall Street that they were going to ratchet down on these residents. Mm. Well, at the end of the day, it was activists. It was George Gaines, who was a former deputy director of the health department, that told them in those meetings that shutting off water was going to lead to a public health impact. Yeah. It was many of us in those meetings. And then what we heard from Judge Rhodes is, that he knew that it would create mm -hmm. imminent harm. He actually wrote it into the bankruptcy agreement, yes. but that it was more important for the coming back of business and downtown than it was to protect the public health of Michiganders and Detroiters. Mm. And so now we see that the chickens have come home to roost. And what I believe and know is that if Detroit is truly committed to a water affordability plan, it won't take us two years. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Miko, I want you to talk just a little about what you think comes next. Uh, as you point out, uh, the, the mayor didn't include water activists in his 
announcement, uh, and that's that's a, a slight that I don't quite understand um, why you would do that. But uh, going forward, he says, "Look, we're we're looking for a way to to figure out how to stop water shutoffs permanently." Uh, do you anticipate being able to work with the city? to figure that out uh, over the next well, two I'm, years. I'm open to the city. Uh, I'm open to working it out with the city, Steve. But you're going to have to include myself, Monica, and experts in the room. You're going to have to include uh, all of us that have been in the struggle for the fight for water. Have, start with a big water summit. Let's meet. Let's meet and have a big water summit, and let's discuss all the ways we can make this happen. But Mayor Duggan is very disingenuous, and he's a master manipulator. See, at his meeting, uh, his district community meetings about a year or two ago, when I asked him one specific question, uh, Mayor Duggan, what are you doing about these water shutoffs and why haven't you stopped them and protect the residents? He gave all sorts of excuses and wanted to put myself and the uh, charter commissioner, uh, Nicole Small, out of the meeting because we asked him a direct question that we wanted to answer to. See, when he wants to do something, then that's when he wants to uh, come and bring uh, other people to the table, but want to exclude the grassroots activists. But at this point in time, the one thing I want from this city, and I'm not going to be satisfied, and I'm not going to stop until we get water release amnesty. And that's when you give 50 to 70 percent off of the arrears. You cut the arrears and you erase the debt. You erase the debt clean, and you zero out all the residents, homeowners that have uh, uh, high water bills back to zero so that we can start over. Then from there, we can assess what we can do to keep people in, um, uh, to give people options and opportunity. Myself, Monica Lewis-Patrick, and other water warriors have proposed policies that are surefire to keep people water on, to keep the access of clean water flowing through home, especially in COVID-19. We have got to take this seriously. You cannot play politics with us, and I'm not going to... tolerate any more uh, shenanigans back and forth and such. The time, the buck stops here. And as I heard from his re-election campaign yesterday, that he wants to make the city better, well, you're going to have to start with us today. Mm. Uh, I'm talking with Monica Lewis-Patrick and D'Amico Williams, two of the city's uh, water rights activists who've been working for a really long time uh, on the idea of uh, making sure that we don't have water shutoffs here in the city of Detroit, something that has gone on for a really, really long time. Uh, Mayor Mike Duggan said yesterday when he announced his uh, re-election campaign that his goal is to end those uh, water shutoffs. He wants to extend the current moratorium through 2022, and then after that, have a way to not bring them back at all. Um, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and uh, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Monica Lewis-Patrick, I want to thank you for being here with us. We're going to try to take some calls here, but we've got to clear a line in order to do that. But it was really great to have you here. Uh, can I thank add you. this, Stephen? Yeah, go right, ahead. Go. go right ahead. Go right ahead. One of the things that the, the mayor can do, along with the recommendations that Nico eloquently laid out, is that he can support the language in the charter 
that supports water affordability right. and many of the th- policies that we've offered. So he doesn't have to wait two years. He can actually join us in supporting the moving forward of the city charter that actually constitutes water affordability in that language. Yeah, yeah. No, I, you're absolutely right that the the answers are already in front of us. It's a matter of getting officials to pick them up and, and adopt them. Uh, Monica, I really appreciate you being here with us. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Have a great day. And thank you, Miko, for all your hard work. Thank you, Monica, for all the hard work you've done. You rock, sister. Keep on rocking. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. Okay, uh, I want to go to John on the east side. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. So okay. I just want to add a little bit, and this is historical, some of it, but also uh, present time. The We built 45 homes here in Jefferson Chalmers back in 2005 mm. through the low-income housing tax credit. And come to find out, because we were pretty green about things, that after the project was done and such, that half of them didn't have water meters in them. And we spent the next four or five years paying people to figure out the water bills, and they were billing us outrageous amounts. And it actually did detriment to the project, which actually didn't turn out so great, you know, after 15 years. Present day... Uh, we've had people down here buy uh, vacant lots, put w- rain gardens in them, get charged 65 to $85 a month. I'm a single person living in a house. I'm only paying $50 a month, mm. and I flush the toilets. <laughs> These are vacant <laughs> lots. And then at the same time, we have the system of canals down here that's been leaking into the storm drains right. for the last two and a half, three years. Uh, during 2019, at the tune of about 2 billion gallons a day. And you, when you look at the, you know, just the the craziness about this, because they're not mm-hmm. charging us for this water that's going into the street from our homes right. down here. Right. And they really don't know how they're going to fix it either. But at the same time, everybody that buys water is paying for this. Right. I, mean, so that's a I just huge... thought I'd add this to the conversation. Yeah, no, John, oh, I, yeah. I really appreciate the call. The and billing the system, I want to say the, the, the billing system, John, has been faulty ever since. They do not want to change the billing system of how water is charged in the city of Detroit. Unfortunately, uh, I, I'm not I'm not familiar with the uh, water um, concerns of Jefferson Chalmers. I just know during the flood that there was a big um, there was a big hoo ha about the flooding and what people were going to do to save their homes and also get reimbursed. And there was a big fight. Um, the residents over there banded together uh, uh, to fight. I don't know what happened. Uh, to the result of that. Hmm. But I do know that Detroiters have been charged in the neighborhoods. We're being charged for the water that runs uh, in the drain on our street. If your water, if your street backs up full of water and it's not, it, we pay for that. Every time it rains, we pay for that water. Hmm. And the, and like I said, the billing system the, has been faulty. So Gary Brown never wants to acknowledge that. John, if you bring that to the Water Board Commissioner meeting, and uh, tell them that I'm pretty sure they can um, they can try to give you an answer, but don't expect any any uh, thing that will satisfy you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Okay, John, uh, I really appreciate the call, uh, and Miko Williams, uh, I always appreciate uh, having you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank to you, talk Steve. About this uh, it's so good to talk to you, man. For sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll have you back soon. 
Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the efficacy of pods, these little groups that so many Americans have formed to try to continue socializing as the weather cools down and we continue to fight COVID-19. Does it work the way we think it does? And are there things we should be doing differently? We'll talk about it next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.